Welcome to Creation in the 21st Century. I'm your host, Carl Ball, founder and director of the Creation Evidence Museum in Glen Rose, Texas. We are discussing facts versus Darwinism. We live in a generation that has espoused naturalism in an academic profile. Fortunately, there are major scientists, many at major universities, major laboratories, that have gone beyond the philosophic barriers and have embraced actual research demonstrating that life is so complex. Even the little bacterium that supposedly was the uh, original form of life that evolved from a rock and uh, the decay of uh, inorganic compounds to produce organic compounds, uh, which is absolutely impossible scientifically, has never been observed. Uh, many scientists, I wrote a book recently called Why Do Men Believe Evolution Against All Odds? And in that book, I gave the technical references where microbiologists admit that not only can they not trace the origin of life from inorganic non-living compounds, they cannot even imagine how life could have evolved through inorganic non-living compounds. Yet, the evolutionary community holds fast to the mandate that everything must be explained naturalistically. Well, on today's program, we're going to take some of the research of leading scientists, and we're going to show that the real facts uncovered demonstrate that Darwinism is bankrupt, yet, at the same time, it is the academic profile of the educational system. I've invited to the set today a very fine friend who's done a splendid job over a number of years in research demonstrating the bankruptcy of Darwinian evolution or evolution beyond the micro-adaptation level. Uh, businessman turned scientific investigator Russ Miller. Russ, it's a delight to have you again on the program. It's a pleasure to be here, Dr. Baugh. I'm amazed at the information you've assembled, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this introduction because I want this audience to uh, be the beneficiary of yes, all sir. of your research over these years. Yes, sir. Now, you temporarily loaned me something a short while ago. This is the latest 10-pound note from the British Empire, from England, mm -hmm. and it shows a beautiful hummingbird, and they're some of my favorites, and, of course, uh, a microscope examining the details and giving the credit to Charles Darwin. Absolutely. Well, Charles Darwin knows better now. However, his theory has uh, certainly influenced our generation, and uh, naturalism is here to stay because it's natural for unregenerate man not to want to give an account to a personal God. Which is exactly what the theory is about, is to get God out of the equation and let people live their own lives, thinking they're the most evolved, they are their own God goes back to the original sin. It certainly does. And you have a ministry uh, emphasizing this, not only the spiritual nature, but the scientific nature. And you're available. You lecture all over the country. Uh, and I was pleased to know that some of your lectures are on DVD and video and are so well produced that uh, an accrediting agency makes them required viewing for the accreditation of their schools. They have set it up so if schools go through the DVDs, their teachers can receive accreditation points. 
That's yes. beautiful. Yes. It's beautiful. a great way to get the information to a lot of young minds. Well, that means the information is premier. I'm going to give this back to you. Well, thank you. I appreciate the loan. We'll fly over to England and get you another one in the hopefully near future. Well, you don't have to fly there. Just order one for me by special delivery, and I'll accept that. That would work. <laughs> oh, let's have fun. Okay. Now, you have so much to share with us today. Let's get right to the issues, starting with uh, the first president of the American Humanist Association, John Dewey. What does he have to do with this, Russ? Well, as you mentioned, he was the first president of the American Humanist Association, which is the largest atheist group in America. And he was a signer of the original Humanist Manifesto, which was founded upon Darwinian evolution being true. Now, his stated goal was to solve the Christian problem via the public school system. And unfortunately, and most folks don't realize this, it was John Dewey who introduced what's called progr progressive education into the school systems, and yes. it now dominates public school teaching. Now, I wanted today to go through some of the frauds in the textbooks that are used to fool folks into believing that Darwinism took place. Let's do it. You've probably heard of Ernst Haeckel. Absolutely. He read Darwin's book in 1860, a year after it came out, and it changed his life. So he spent the rest of his life trying to prove Darwinian evolution were true. But he ran into the same problem that Darwinists have today. He couldn't find any real evidence to back it up. So he did what evolutionists are famous for. He and invented what some. what was that? He invented he evidence. He invented some evidence. And that is practiced, unfortunately. Describe this for us, please. From left to right across the top are Haeckel's drawings. He, what he did was he took a human who was in the embryonic stage, and he made copies of that human with slight changes, and he labeled them fish, salamanders, chickens, etc. Now, that's absolute fraud. It's absolute fraud. And one of the reasons I embraced evolution in a, uh, in a point of my academic studies was this... Ernst Haeckel series of recapitulation from fish, salamander, turtle, chicken, rabbit, human. Well, what are the real facts, Russ? Well, the real facts are that this, and they call this the theory of recapitulation, that we go through our evolutionary stages in our mother's womb, are actual frauds. These are the actual photos right below. They don't look anything like his drawings. And what Haeckel had done was he took the human embryo and made copies. This is a total fraud. And yet, this is still taught in textbooks today. It is still taught in textbooks today and is absolute fraud. And the evolutionary community knows it. Absolutely. The late Stephen Jay Gould uh, said this should have been removed long ago, and yet he didn't try to get it removed. They actually knew in the 1800s that this was a fraud. Yet here's a new textbook, and this is a, a takeoff of the theory of recapitulation. It shows what they say is a human in the embryonic stage next to a chicken in the embryonic stage looking almost identical. And they say we have gill slits from our days where we were in our fish phase. But these aren't gill slits. They're not gills of any sort. They're simply folds in the skin that later yeah. develop into the organs in the throat and neck area. That's correct. So this is total fraud. They often show, at times show students drawings of a whale's flipper or a cat's forelimb or the foreleg of a horse or a human forelimb. And they say we all have two bones in the forelimb. And so they claim this unity of plan is evidence of a common ancestor. Well, I guess you could claim that, but couldn't we equally say that's proof that we have the same intelligent designer? Absolutely, plus the same purpose of getting around in mobility. 
Absolutely. In fact, in fact, speaking of mobility, I drive a Chevy pickup truck and my next door neighbor drives a Chevy van and their dashboards are identical. Oh, that shows they had a common origin, I suppose, doesn't well, it? Well, it's not because they evolved from a moped. <laughs> it's, oh, right. it's because they had the same designer. Yes, that is correct. And the design works. Absolutely. It's efficient. And that efficient design is proof of our intelligent biblical designer. Absolutely. You're on the right track. Well, uh, Charles Darwin made an incredible admission. He did. He stated that if his theory were true, numberless intermediate varieties must assuredly have existed. He thought the fossil record would be full of millions and millions of kinds slowly evolving into the other kind. And I must agree, if his theory is true, we should find millions of examples in the Absolutely. fossil record. Now, I work in the fossil record. You live near uh, the grandest display of the fossil record uh, in series of sedimentary layers. You live near the Grand Canyon. Absolutely. I, I live uh, in Glen Rose, Texas. I work in the fossil record all over the world. Those intermediate forms are not there. They're all not. the forms are totally distinctive and totally functional. They were there from the start, and that's what the fossil record attests to. But if we go to the textbooks, kids are showing, showing these evolutionary trees of life. And at the base, they claim to have a common invertebrate ancestor. But notice how they don't show what that ancestor was, just the word common ancestor. And then, Dr. Baugh, they show these colorful lines connecting everything on Earth. They're good at making drawings. To this supposed ancestor. But in real science, based on observation of evidence, each of these lines should be backed by millions of fossils of one kind slowly changing into another kind. Yet, there is no intermediate form before, between these distinctive kinds. None have been found that will hold up to scientific scrutiny. Correct. Some have been claimed, but have not held up to scientific scrutiny. And let me give you one example right out of the new textbooks. They say that the evidence of evolution is found in the fossil record, as it should be if Darwinism were true. And they say that the low fin fish went extinct 300 plus million years ago and was the missing link, so to speak, between fish and amphibians. And the story they give in the text textbooks is that the lobe fin fish didn't swim. He walked around on the bottom of the ocean on those lobe fins. I guess one day he got bored and he walked out and became an amphibian. Mm, according to that theory. But the problem they have is are many. Science knows of no way for nature to add new and beneficial genetic information to a gene That's pool. That's correct. As we've discussed previously. <coughs> And the amphibian has feet, toes, claws, shoulders, a brain function, and a central nervous system to, to control these changes. And they know now, no way. Again, this audience needs to know that. Say that again, Russ. The amphibian has tremendous changes from the fish. He has feet, shoulders, elbows, claws. He has the central nervous system and the brain function to control all this. He has a completely different neck. And science knows of no way for nature to add any new and beneficial genetic information. This would require millions of changes. But even more important is that the lobe fin fish was found alive 70 years ago. Yes. He's been found alive today in many oceans, and he doesn't walk around on the bottom of the ocean on those lobe fins. He's a very good swimmer. The coelacanth. The coelacanth. So why are they still teaching this in the textbooks? They he have a philosophy to mandate rather than the factual data, and we're looking for the factual data. 
They allow their religious philosophy to undermine real science. So he doesn't walk on the bottom of the ocean. And if you look at the fossilized version, which is supposed to be 300 plus million years old, he looks exactly like the living coelacanth today. I thought things evolved over millions of years of time. No evolution yeah, in the fossil has a record. Here's another one of their many frauds. This is the whale evolution series. It's pretty similar to the horse evolution series. Uh, they say this extinct land mammal uh, led to the ambulocetus, which they claim is the missing link between the land mammal and the whale. But actually, the only bones found of the ambulocetus are these, about 25% of a skeleton. The dark bones are actually found in a different strata layer, in a different location. They're not even from the same animal. But by coming up with 25% of the skeleton, they say that's the missing link. But he doesn't have a pelvic girdle. They don't know if he walked, ran, swam, flew, or what. And Bacillosaurus is more of a reptile, and he's actually 10 times the size shown. But if they drew him to scale, he wouldn't fit the propaganda. And unfortunately, the facts are not being given. And in case the audience thinks it's just me and you claiming they have no evidence, back in the 1930s, Richard Goldschmidt came up with a hopeful monster theory to explain why they have no evidence. And he said, well, maybe a reptile laid eggs and birds popped out, leaving no evidence behind. Now, let's emphasize that again. The evidence was non-existent. Non-existent. But assumed to be true. So, the hopeful monster theory Goldsmith proposed was <clears throat> a reptile hatched from an egg instantaneously overnight. a bird. So, no evidence was captured in the fossil record. Well, people were, of course, laughing at this. So, 50 years later, around 1980, Niles Eldridge and Stephen Gould of Harvard yes. came up and changed hopeful monster slightly, but they changed the name, and it's now called punctuated equilibrium. And it is caught on. Now, so if a child raises their hand and says, why is there no evidence, they'll say punctuated equilibrium, and how's a child to argue with that? But basically, this says that, well, it, evolution didn't happen overnight, but it happened in such short geologic spurts of time that no evidence was captured. So it's not just us, Bible-believing creationists, that say they have no evidence. They've got a theory to explain why they have no Isn't that evidence. convenience? Isn't that convenience? But I thought real science was knowledge derived from the study of evidence. Supposed to be. And they don't have any. In fact, this famed uh, Swedish evolutionist who realized Darwinism was a fraud stated, it's a great misfortune if an entire branch of science becomes addicted to a false theory. Which has happened in biology today. Yes. And he said, one day the Darwinian myth will be ranked the greatest deceit in the history of science. And that's a famed evolutionist making that statement. Yes, sir. Self-critique. Proceed. Well, a lot of folks might be thinking, well, what about the ape men, Dr. Ball? We've been shown the ape men. And here's a brand new textbook showing humans connected to everything on Earth with a nice red line. Now, what more proof could we ask for than a nice red line? And that's the only proof they have, just the red line. Where are There's the actual no links? They don't that, have any. That's correct. So if it's okay, let's, let's take a look at some of the frauds. Let's do. I can hardly wait. Oh, and first of all, Piltdown Man was one of the great missing links. It was the messiah for evolution from around 1910 through about 1955. And into textbooks, uh, after they discovered this in the early 1900s, went Piltdown Man. What had been found in Piltdown, England, was a piece of a human skull cap and the jawbone of an ape. 
And so thus was born Pilled Down Man. In fact, he was used as proof of evolution in the Scopes trial between the teaching of creation and evolution. And as a large region, evolution now dominates the school textbooks. That's right. But was discredited in the 1950s. And, and yet the mandate is still in place. That's what these guys had done. They'd taken the jawbone of an orangutan and the skull of a human and filed them down to fit together. Acid treated both sides and buried them in a rock quarry for two years and pilled down England. Then they came along and dug it up and became world-renowned evolutionists. And the sad thing is that this fraud misled not millions, but billions of people into rejecting Jesus Christ that is as correct. their Lord and Savior. That is correct. And even though this has been discredited, the theory is still held to. Absolutely. Yeah. Proceed. Now comes Hesperpithecus Harold Cookii, the Nebraska man. The Nebraska what on earth man. was he? Well, he was found, and all that was found was a piece of a broken tooth. That's right. But evolutionists are very creative. From the broken tooth, they recreated Nebraska man, his family, and even the tools that they would have worked with. From a broken tooth, a Nebraska man, his family, the tools they worked with, and the animals they domesticated, all from a broken tooth. Uh, now, quickly absolutely. tell us, uh, was that tooth half ape, half man? Was it ape or man? Actually, they later discovered it came from a pig. Yeah, that this is, is the real Nebraska man right here. That is right, from a pig. Well, Louis Leakey, who's the famous father of the Leakey clan of ape men finders, discovered in 1932 a crushed lower jawbone. It had all apes' teeth. It was broken up into about 40 pieces, so he was able to reconstruct it. And guess what? It came out in the shape of a human jawbone with all apes' teeth. From his reconstruction. And thus was born Ramapithecus, the missing link. Once again, for 45 years into textbooks, went Ramapithecus, misleading tens of millions of people into rejecting Jesus Christ. But in 1977, 30 years ago, it was proven that that was the jawbone of an orangutan. Yes. Well, a young man studying to be a dentist gave me his advanced biology book last summer, and he said, Russ, would you look through this and pick out some frauds? Well, I don't have any place to put the frauds. I have so many. But I flipped through the book, and there was the drawing of Ramapithecus's teeth. So that caught my eye. I stopped to read it, and now they've put it back in the textbooks with a new name, saying this is Civipithecus. And the textbooks Incredible. read that Civipithecids are more closely related to humans. This genus now includes the animal formerly known as Ramapithecus. This was proven to be an orangutan 30 years ago. That is absolutely incredible. It's out and out fraud. Out and out fraud. So the facts versus Darwinianism, the facts stand up and speak so loudly. Absolutely. Quickly tell us about this creature, Lucy. Lucy. That's been the messiah for evolution for the past 30 years, even though for 25 years they've known it's just an ape. That's Stood right. about three and a half feet tall, drug its knuckles on the ground. In fact, uh, this from 1987 states anatomists have concluded that these creatures are not a uh, link between ape and man and did not walk upright in the human manner. And yet they still teach this as the messiah for evolution. Because the mandate is in place, no matter what the evidence says, we must have descended from lower life forms. Absolutely. According to that theory. And that has crashed the eternal destiny of so many people. And we're trying to inform this audience. Now, time is marching quickly. Give us more information. You came loaded. 
Here's the brand new textbooks, and they're teaching the kids that recent hominid discoveries, and that's the supposed closest link between ape and man, include Tomei Man and Maeve Leakey, Louis Leakey's daughter-in-law, came up with flat-faced man. So let's take a look at these two. They claim that Tomei Man is the oldest known human ancestor, making their finders world-renowned evolutionists. Yes. But Nature Magazine, when they found this in 2002, said this is just an ancient ape. In 2002, Science News said the specimen's teeth resemble apes. It did not walk on two legs. They knew this was an ape when they found it. Yes. They wait four years and put it in the textbooks and tell our kids they've got proof we evolved from apes. This is absolutely tragic. Go on, please, quickly. Well, flat-faced man was found. It was crushed into about 50 pieces, the size of about a softball. So Miss Leakey and her friends reconstructed it and said, well, the face is slightly flatter than a normal ape's face. Well, all faces are slightly more or less yes. uh, angled than the others. But they put in the textbooks now and say that this is one of our closest missing links. What they don't tell the kids is that flat-faced man stood two, two feet, feet tall. tall. Like that. Mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. Proceed. Well, last year, uh, this Nobel Prize-winning scientist, Steven Weinberg, stated that anything we scientists can do to weaken the hold of religion should be done. That is their mandate. And that includes filling the textbooks with lies and frauds to mislead Known people. lies and frauds to and accomplish the end. Here would be a good example. Frankfurt University's professor Reiner Prosch von Zeiten spent 30 years as a world-renowned anthropologist and supposed carbon-dating expert. In fact, he had found the oldest known Homo sapien, which he dated at 36,000 years old, making him a world-renowned evolutionist. Yes. But then in 2005, it was proven he was a fraud. He didn't even know how to run the carbon dating equipment. Yes. So he just made up dates. Assigned the age, consistent with his theory. Exactly. In fact, one of the skulls came from a man who died 250 years ago. <laughs> yeah, was given tens of thousands of years in age by his assignment. <coughs> this is not good science. It's not science Take us at further, all. Russ, please. It's really anti-science. Here's a brand new textbook showing humans connected to all sorts <coughs> of critters, including the tarsier. By the vivid red line. By the red line. What more could you ask than a red line? Than a red line. Exactly. Because that's all they have. Anyways, this, I don't think we're related to the Tarsiers. Absolutely. I think we're made in the image of God, not yes. the image of an ape. But think about this logically. With millions of different sorts of monkeys and apes having lived and died in just the last 500 years alone, well, why does finding a monkey bone prove evolution? It doesn't. Doesn't it just prove that when monkeys die, they leave their bones behind? Yes. <laughs> Those who are more fortunate. In fact, Dr. Pilbeam, a former Yale professor of anthropology, stated that human evolution theories reveal more about how people view themselves that is correct. than it does about how people came about. That's right. It reviews, uh, reveals how we, as evolutionists, would uh, view ourselves rather than how we came about. He's being honest in that. Yes. We have to love Dr. Dwayne Gish. He defined Darwinism as the sustenance of fossils hoped for, the evidence of links unseen. He's a dear friend of mine, and he got it right. And if we take a review of Darwinism versus real science, we'll find that no one has ever seen anything Darwinian macro evolve. Right. The fossil record shows no missing links. That's correct. Living species show no kinds changing into other kinds. That's correct. Natural selection removes any rare mutations. Removes the rare mutations. That's correct. 
the law of biogenesis, the DNA code barrier, gene depletion, the first and the second laws of thermodynamics, and more say Darwinism is scientifically impossible. Absolutely. Mathematical probability says it never could have happened. That's right. And no one has ever seen nature add new and appreciable amounts of beneficial genetic information that is to correct. an existing gene pool. It's completely impossible. And the Bible hits the nail on the head as always because, well, of course, the Bible's true word for word and cover to cover. And it's demonstrated to be so. Time and time again, it never has to change. The science books change every other year. But the Bible says that professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They've been fooled. And they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God which I believe is his creation, yes. into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts Whole and creeping right things. 2,000 years ago. They're going to change it to evolution. But the teachings of naturalistic evolution are just humanistic indoctrination. Let's make one more statement, holding their feet to the flood. Holding their feet to the flood. Dr. Ball, these are some of the presentations that we cover. And we have many on the age of the earth issues because people need to understand that flood is of paramount importance to the Christian yes. faith. Yes, that flood shows judgment on a global basis. Absolutely. And someone may ask, well, if it was Adam and Eve who sinned, why did the entire world suffer? Adam and Eve were commissioned as being made in the image of God, representing God. They were in that place, in having dominion, and they represented all of the creation which fell along with them. Absolutely. And we have the evidence for that. Absolutely. Originally, there was a symbiotic relationship, a beautiful relationship with all living systems. The bacteria in its uh, perfect proportions biodegrades once living material to reassimilate that back into the soil, into the plants for food for Adam and Eve and their posterity. The design was to go on forever. In fact, the human brain, in its 200 billion brain cells produced genetically, with only 100 billion of those ending up in the child, genetically those 200 billion brain cells could explain how man could go on forever, continuously learning and assimilating information. So God produced a wonderful system, all designed for His glory, all designed for the benefit of man and the rest of the creation. All of the animal kingdom reaches a point of saturation. The uh, huge beast of the field, when reaching a point of saturation, stop reproducing. All of that's written in, so there's a balance. Yet we destroyed it all. We're sinful. But God retrieved us in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. Christ came to earth, lived the perfect life. No man could convince him of sin. He died on the cross, shed his blood, was placed in a tomb, arose from the dead, ascended to heaven, and now in a universal dimension approaches every person. He's the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Would you right now pray this simple prayer with me? Just pray this simple prayer. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus Christ and His righteousness. Right now, I open my heart to Him. Lord Jesus, come in right now. Apply Your blood and Your righteousness. Save me, and I will serve You with all my heart. If you prayed that prayer, welcome home to the family.
Creation in the 21st Century has been sponsored by Trinity Broadcasting Network. And only with your love gift of support can this program stay on the air. So write to...